from the New Media Project at the NYU School of Medicine and the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's podcast, uveitis associated with juvenile idiopathic arthritis. We found a third of the eyes had 20-50 or worse vision at the time they walked in the door, and almost a quarter of eyes had 20-200 or worse vision. First this. The Accreditation Council for Continuing Medical Education requires a financial interest disclosure before any CME activity. Dr. Thorne declares no real or apparent conflicts of interest. As seen from here, the first podcast for physicians, the first podcast to offer CME credit, and the first to offer multinational editions is now co-sponsored by the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. The ASCRS recognizes the power of this new medium in communication and education of physicians everywhere. This partnership will allow us to bring new content to you and add new voices to our community. From Manhattan to Mumbai, from the Bay Area to Beijing, one conversation as seen from here. When a child presents with uveitis, High on the differential diagnosis is juvenile idiopathic arthritis. This pathology can result in severe and permanent vision loss, sometimes even at initial presentation. Jennifer Thorne of the Wilmer Eye Institute has just published results of a study which sought to determine risk factors for ocular complications and poor visual acuity at presentation in patients with JIA-associated uveitis. JIA is not a single pathology, but a group of pathologies. What are the common characteristics that define this group? Well, it's a group of arthritides, and the group is actually fairly heterogeneous. So um, there are a couple of commonalities, and that is, is that the etiology of the arthritides is unknown and that the arthritis uh, begins by definition before 16 years of age. And the arthritis itself has to persist for at least six weeks. Those are, that's sort of the tie that brings those seven subtypes together. Within the pediatric uveitis population, how common is JIA? Um, well, JIA accounts for probably about... Uh, three, three quarters of all pediatric um, anterior uveitis, um, and the the most common type of uveitis that occurs in on JIA is a chronic anterior uveitis, uh, the typical white eye uveitis, where there's not a lot of um, symptomatology. Or, um, the eye looks fairly quiet until you look uh, into the anterior chamber tends to be bilateral, um, has a rather insidious onset, uh, and is chronic. And in general, these patients are often not as symptomatic as an adult with a comparable level of uveitis might be. That is correct. Um, So there are um, uveitides that affect adults that can give you a very hot, uh, red, painful eye that's light-sensitive. The most typical would be the HLA-B27-associated um, associated acute recurrent anterior uveitis. 
But there are types of adult anterior uveitis that can also be sort of uh, insidious and chronic in in its uh, course, such as sarcoid. However, adult patients will tend to uh, complain of some blurring of their vision. And with the onset of the uveitis uh, occurring, you know, at age four or five, sometimes even younger than that, uh, those children are often not complaining of uh, blurred vision at that time. And uh, if there is not proper uh, screening going on, often the the, uh, visual difficulty is not uh, diagnosed until uh, they go for vision screening for school. And that could be particularly devastating because a lot of the ocular complications could have already occurred by that time. What are the risk factors within JIA for the development subsequently of uveitis? The typical ones are thought of as um, the female gender. Uh, The oligoarticular uh, variant of um, JIA, and by oligoarticular, that's, that's a one to four joints involved. Um, ANA positive, uh, rheumatoid uh, factor negative. Now, there was a recent um, study that came out of Italy that actually showed that having a positive ANA was probably the, one of the most significant risk factors for developing uveitis. And that, in fact, that patients that were uh, ANA positive uh, there was about a 30% uh, risk of developing the uveitis, uh, irrespective of the type of arthritis. So ANA-positive, persistent oligoarticular, ANA-positive, extended oligoarticular, and ANA-positive polyarticular in the face of a negative rheumatoid factor, all of those uh, subtypes have about a 30% risk of developing uveitis. So that's a slightly newer finding. How common is severe visual impairment in JAI-associated uveitis? Well, it, it, that is a very difficult question to answer because um, a lot of the estimates are, are dependent on uh, the study uh, performed and, in fact, where the study was performed. So uh, in tertiary uh, care settings, uh, such as our group, uh, visual impairment and or blindness can occur uh, in you know, 35 to 40 percent of eyes. Uh, in uh, the pediatric ophthalmology groups or groups where the, there is not as great of a referral bias, uh, that number could be on the order of 10 percent. Uh, so there is a, there's a, a fairly large uh, variability there and um, one would hope that some larger perspective studies could probably answer that question better. To what extent does this impairment result from the uveitis itself, and to what extent does it result from the therapy for the uveitis, like steroid complications? Again, probably uh, difficult to ferret out in the current literature, but I would think that most uveitis specialists would come um, come down strongly on the fact that these structural ocular complications are largely responsible uh, for the visual loss. Um, the, the side effects of steroid therapy, particularly topical corticosteroid uh, therapy, is probably uh, pretty low. The difficulty is, is that you have this sort of mixed bag of patients that are presenting at variable times 
that have been treated variably and followed over a variable follow-up. And so it's difficult to attribute uh, how much uh, vision loss is, or how much of the poor vision is uh, due to uh, one particular thing. But again, I would say that at least the overwhelming majority of uveitis specialists feel that probably cataract, band keratopathy, perhaps macular edema, uh, either cystoid macular edema or macular edema secondary to hypotony are some of the uh, reasons for um, poor vision in these patients. Prior to your study, what factors had been identified to be associated with a poor visual outcome? Well, there's some good studies out there that have looked at risk factors um, at presentation for development of uh, poor vision uh, over time. Um, They are retrospective, uh, and they're a little limited because the follow-up time was variable. But the risk factors seem to be uh, fairly consistent across the board. And those are um, having the uveitis prior to arthritis or simultaneously with the arthritis, uh, supposedly due to perhaps a delay in diagnosis of the arthritis. And actually, there are some uh, studies that would suggest that male gender uh, is a risk factor for um, subsequent poor vision. Again, this may be um, a time-to-treatment type of bias, whereas uh, Uh, girls might be screened more carefully for uveitis due to JIA because they're thought to be the group that is at highest risk. There are some ocular um, findings that often will portend poor vision, Uh, and the main one for that has been the presence of posterior synechiae, um, suggesting uh, uh, being a risk factor for chronic uh, disease and for um, poor, poorer visual outcomes. Jen, what did your study seek to answer? Well, to give you a little background, this was the first of three studies that we did on this group of patients. Um, and what we were really looking uh, to do is just to better define the clinical outcomes, uh, both in terms of ocular complications and visual acuity, uh, in our cohort of patients that we've been following for about 20, 21, 22 years. And the, the things that we were focusing on were uh, what, what were the frequency of, of poor vision and ocular complications at the time in which these patients uh, first were seen in the clinic? What risk factors are, could we identify um, at that time? And then what happened during follow-up? So what were the, the incidence rates of, of vision loss Uh, and complications once they uh, were in our hands. And then how did our treatment affect those rates? Was there a benefit to um, immunosuppressive drug therapy? And then lastly, we were looking at whether or not there were certain characteristics that might be present at at, um, the presenting exam that we could use to develop sort of a severity score to triage these patients or these children to try to better understand which patients needed more aggressive therapy sooner in their course of disease to avoid some of the bad outcomes that we've been seeing. Can I have you describe the design of your study? Sure. The first uh, paper that is now in press in AJL uh, described the complications, uh, ocular complications and poor visual acuity at the presenting exam. So this is a, this is a cohort of 75 patients 
but in fact, this is describing a cross-sectional uh, study of those patients. So the data that were collected for uh, this study were just the baseline exam, if you will, or the, the, the first examination in our clinic. And uh, we were looking for particular outcomes. We were looking for visual acuity of 2050 or worse, which is uh, often thought to be low vision, uh, and 2200 or worse, or legal blindness in this country. And then the presence of various structural complications, which we um, were looking for, such as cataract, band keratopathy, um, and an abnormal eye pressure, either ocular hypertension or hypotony, uh, the presence of epiretinal membrane or of macular edema. And this was just at the presenting exam. And then we were looking for potential demographic or other clinical characteristics that might be risk factors for those things, and also potentially protective factors. So in other words, if they've been exposed to treatments prior to uh, showing up at our clinic, did that have an effect on whether or not they had these complications or bad vision at, at, our pre at the presenting examination? Jen, what were your findings? So we, we identified 75 patients that we had seen with JIA. And uh, we had basically a, a median age of uh, diagnosis of uveitis of seven years, but younger in um, the patients that had oligoarticular, about five years. The majority of our patients, about 70 75% were female, uh, about 85% were white, uh, and the majority of patients had uh, the more, probably the most common type of JIA associated with uveitis, and that's persistent oligoarticular arthritis at about 81%. Our group had a, a fairly, a surprisingly long median duration of uveitis before presentation, and that was six years with a median duration of, of arthritis of 10 years. So this is a group that had been out in the community being treated uh, previous to being seen by us. They had also been exposed to a fair amount of treatment. 35% of them had received oral prednisone prior to coming into our office, and uh, almost 20% uh, had received methotrexate. Uh, and about 16% were on methotrexate at the time they walked in the door. And we found a very, uh, a fairly high frequency of um, eyes with any ocular complication. Um, so we, we asked the question if you, you know, what percentage of eyes had uh, at least one of uh, the ocular complications we were interested in. That was uh, two thirds of, of eyes, or about 64% of the patients. And the most common ones of those were band keratopathy, um, cataract. There was also a large amount of um, posterior synechiae. Uh, we also found that almost 50% of the patients had some activity in their anterior chamber. Um, and we defined it active disease as um, plus 0.5 cells or higher, which is based on the um, standardization of uveitis uh, nomenclature working group or SUN working group recommendations. We found a third of the eyes had 20-50 or worse vision at the time they walked in the door, and that's best corrected. Uh, and almost a quarter of eyes had 20-200 or worse vision. Uh, fortunately, if you looked at bilateral vision loss, only 12% of the patients were um, bilaterally blind, but that's still, you know, fairly high. So when we looked at 
what the risk factors were for having at least one ocular complication when you walked into our office or for having poor vision when you walked into the office. There were several things that sort of consistently stood out. For um, having an ocular complication, uh, duration of disease was a factor. Uh, ANA positive, being ANA positive was a strong risk factor for having at least one ocular complication, as was the presence of anterior chamber flare of one plus or greater. For poor visual acuity at presentation, uh, anterior chamber flare was again statistically significant risk factor for both uh, visual acuity outcomes um, after controlling for other potentially confounding variables. So that one remained. Uh, there was also uh, a suggestion that prior surgery was an, a risk factor, uh, was not statistically significant for 2050 or worse vision, but was so for blindness. But the effect size was huge. The uh, odds ratio was, uh, was 12, uh, which is a very large odds ratio. Uh, other things that looked to, uh, appeared to be risk factors for poor vision were prior use of systemic steroids, um, ocular hypertension uh, for uh, blindness, uh, the presence of posterior synechiae um, were significant. And then one of the more interesting things we found was patients that were being treated with methotrexate at the time that they walked into our clinic uh, had approximately an 87% reduction in 2050 or worse vision, and that was statistically significant. Um, and we, we found that to be kind of interesting because when we looked at those patients, the people that were on, the children that were on methotrexate when they presented had been on methotrexate for a long period of time. And so we hypothesized that perhaps these patients were started early enough in their disease course to prevent some of the uh, poor outcomes. That's the reason you postulate that the patients on methotrexate did better? Yes. What's interesting is that if you look at methotrexate as a risk factor for ocular complication, Methotrexate is a risk factor. So there's a, what's called a treatment-by-indication bias. That means that patients with more severe disease often will be treated with stronger drugs. And so despite that fact, despite the fact that, the, that patients that probably had the more severe disease were probably treated with methotrexate, um, when they remained on methotrexate up until the time that they presented to our clinic, their visual acuity at presentation tended to be better than their counterparts that had not been treated in that manner. As you said, anterior chamber flare, one plus or greater, was a strong prognostic finding for poor visual outcome and for complications. Is this just because it's a marker for chronicity of the pathology of the uveitis? Yes, I, I think it's probably a, a dual, it's, a, it's probably what you would call a surrogate and it's probably a surrogate for two things. One would be duration of disease, but the other one would be severity of disease. And that sort of goes along also with the, the suggestion that prior intraocular surgery is a risk factor for poor outcome because that would be, give you an idea of disease severity, those surgeries being trabeculectomy or tube for uh, glaucoma or cataract surgery or band chelation, those sorts of things. So we think that probably what, what flare is representing is people with long-term disease and with severe disease. Also goes along with 
the presence of posterior synechi being a risk factor for blindness at presentation. Do you think that prior surgery was a marker similarly? Yeah, I think that's probably a surrogate marker for disease uh, severity. Was macular edema a common cause of poor visual acuity at presentation? Surprisingly, no. It wasn't as high as what you might expect in adults with chronic anterior uveitis. And I actually found that to be a little interesting. The other thing that was interesting was um, the majority of people that had the macular edema, as well as the majority of the people that had optic nerve edema, appeared to also have concurrent hypotony. So the macular edema that we had in our patients that presented appeared to not be sort of a cystoid macular edema, but a, a secondary macular edema to hypotony. And in fact, that ten, tended to be more common also in the second paper that is now in press uh, in AJL, which was is an incidence paper where we looked at what these patients did during the observed follow-up. So I, I found that surprising. One of your findings was that there was a correlation between the time period between the diagnosis and the referral to your center correlated with outcome. Uh, what, what, what was that, that correlation, and why do you think it was present? Well, we, it, seemed, it seemed to, I think what you're talking about is, is sort of a, um, the increased duration of disease that we had. So we calculated duration of disease from diagnosis of uveitis to time to present into our clinic, and the median of that was six years. And as you can tell from what I've, what I've said previously, we had fairly severe disease. And so we, we would hypothesize that, um, that perhaps if patients had presented earlier and been treated with more aggressive therapy, that some of the outcomes would have been more favorable. Um, that is one of the suggestions that... Um, that has, has been made before. Uh, probably one of the more eloquent um, pieces of evidence to support that uh, comes from Stephen Foster, um, who has, uh, is in Boston, has done a lot of looking at uh, the risk factor of delay, to, a delay of referral to a tertiary care setting for uveitis. And in several of his studies, he's shown that, that that longer time before the patient gets to a uveitis specialist is a risk factor for poor vision outcomes and for complications um, at, at presentation and during follow-up. So what one of our messages uh, was that perhaps these patients need to come to a uveitis specialist more quickly and be placed on immunosuppressive drug therapy more quickly, um, and that may improve their uh, visual outcomes over time. That's also one of the reasons why we did the other two studies, was to see if we could better identify uh, what the risk factors were and who, um, which children merited aggressive therapy early. To what extent do you think that the findings that you have here are a, a bias uh, of the fact that you're a tertiary referral center 
and, and to what extent do they reflect what a general ophthalmologist might see in a more general population? Um, I, we are definitely, I mean, we are definitely a tertiary care center when it comes to this disease. We're definitely seeing more uh, severely uh, affected patients. Um, we are now, if when we looked at who we were, who was being referred year to year, so to look for sort of a secular trend, we noticed that the duration of disease um, has shortened. So people are referring these patients to us at least uh, more quickly, but the disease severity uh, remained fairly stable. So. Even though we're getting them more quickly, we tend, we seem to be getting still the more severely affected people. Um, from what I can gather, the um, population-based studies, uh, and I'm not sure exactly, I, th I think there's maybe one out there, quoted a frequency of ocular complication at presentation of 45%, and ours was 64%. So it's not as dramatic of a difference as one might expect, but our frequencies are higher. And um, the nice thing is, is that we're probably comparable to other referral centers, and uh, a lot of these kids end up in referral centers. So the data that we're presenting is, uh, are potentially useful to them, uh, but it would be nice to have a few, uh, perhaps a few more studies that were either um, large prospective cohorts uh, involving a bunch of different centers, both uveitis specialists and non-uveitis specialists, to get a, a better description of the disease as a whole, or a population-based study. Aside from referring these patients to a tertiary care center, how can I, and, and, and how do you incorporate these findings into your own practice? Uh, well, this to me, um, this study was sort of the tip of the iceberg, and uh, to me, this study uh, said that despite um, us seeing patients over 20 years, and despite uh, the fact that JIA is more aggressively treated even by the rheumatologists in terms of disease-modifying anti-rheumatic drugs, otherwise known as DMARDs, um, that, that there's still a lot of bad disease out there. Uh, and the suggestion that the methotrexate is helpful in preventing poor vision um, is, um, is something that uh, we've continued to look at and will continue to look at very closely because there are a lot of specialists that believe that we should treat these children with topical corticosteroids uh, very aggressively and if we cannot get them absolutely quiet, which would be a rare cell uh, or less, that mean, a rare cell means one cell that sort of floats around but isn't always in your high power field. So it's very few cells. Um, and there are people that strongly believe that we need to get all children with, with this type of uveitis to that point. And if we can't do that on, you know, four or five drops, uh, predforte or uh, prednisolone acetate, prednisolone phosphate, whatever you use, that we need to then go immediately to uh, methotrexate or an, an immunosuppressive drug and that 
multiple immunosuppressive drugs might be required uh, in these children to keep the eyes absolutely pristine quiet. What we found in our, in our follow-up study, our incidence study, was that even inflammation as little as uh, 0.5 plus cells, and that's one to four uh, cells per high power field. It's not a whole lot of inflammation. That was associated uh, with a relative risk of two for the development of a vision loss over time. Um, so it, what it looks like is even just a mild amount of inflammation can be potentially devastating uh, to these um, children and to these eyes. And the, over, the other thing, the other take-home is, is that the overwhelming uh, number of uh, complications that appear to cause the vision loss are cataract and band uh, keratopathy. They're, they're largely preventable problems. And so we believe that if we can get the inflammation under control faster, there should, that there would be less likelihood of developing those sight-threatening complications. Jen, thank you very much. No problem. Thanks for uh, asking us. Jennifer Thorne is Associate Professor of Ophthalmology in the Division of Ocular Immunology at the Wilmer Eye Institute in Baltimore, Maryland. Her paper, Risk Factors for Ocular Complications and Poor Visual Acuity at Presentation Among Patients with Uveitis Associated with Juvenile Idiopathic Arthritis, appears in the April 2007 issue of the American Journal of Ophthalmology. Ask questions of Dr. Thorne or any of our previous guests, or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Call our listener response lines in the United States dial area code 646-808-0231. In the United Kingdom dial 020-7558-8275 or Skype JYoungMD. Those numbers can be found on our website as seenfromhere.com. As Seen From Here is a production of the new media project of the NYU School of Medicine and the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery and is edited by Joe Fry. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.